millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Meta Talks, where we bring in experts to dive deep into all things metaverse. With your hosts, Kate Hancock and Daniel Robbins. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of MetaTalks. Very excited today to have our guest here. He was actually on a bit ago on the Clubhouse Room, so very excited that we're here again. But MetaTalks is powered by IBH Media. If you are a tech company who is getting funded and you need media coverage, go to ibhmedia.co. And our guest today is Jeremy Dalton. He leads PwC's Metaverse Technologies team helping clients across all industries successfully implement technologies like virtual reality and augmented reality. He's also the author of Reality Check, a book that anyone can pick up to better understand how these technologies are being used in business. He's been featured in Financial Times, Economist, BBC, and many other media outlets. And he's worked with organizations like the World Economic Forum and currently sits on the advisory board of Emerse. UK to support the growth of metaverse technologies in business. Welcome, Jeremy. Thank you so much, Daniel. And hi, Kate. Wonderful to be here. And yes. um, to our discussion. Yeah. Jeremy, um, can you tell us, how did you get into the metaverse? What was your journey like to get you where you are? So it all started with, with virtual reality, one of the components of the metaverse. So I was... I've been pushing that in the firm, PwC, where I work, uh, since about 2013, somewhere around there. And I had always seen, well, not always, but uh, since about then, I had seen the potential for it in both the business and the consumer worlds. And also, just from a personal perspective, I thought it was an incredibly cool and exciting technology, one in which it doesn't really have any rival experience, because a lot of these other emerging techs like artificial intelligence and, and blockchain, very cool technologies, but they're very back-end technologies. They do a lot of interesting stuff, but they give you a, a result that you then use. The virtual reality for me and augmented reality, it's sister technology, very visceral, very experiential. And I thought that was just very special. And I, I wanted to, to specialize in that role. So I spent many years campaigning in the firm and uh, eventually they, uh, <laughs> they got fed up and allowed me to... Uh, to do that full time. So that was in about 2017 that I took on the uh, virtual reality, augmented reality lead role. That then evolved into XR because that was a slicker way of saying uh, VR slash AR. And then the metaverse came along and uh, absolutely thought, oh, this is the bandwagon I want to jump onto next. So immediately took hold of that one. But jokes aside, it's also a, a very useful term for us because it's it's a great way of describing what we do because we don't only deal with headset uh, mm -hmm. type of experiences, but we also do virtual worlds on uh, computer screens as well. So the term metaverse helps to encompass all of those different devices and experiences. Wow. Jeremy, I'm kind of curious, what is that like 
trying to convince PwC to get involved into this program. And now you probably say, I see, I told you so. Is that the moment? <laughs> it's, um, I, the problem is with such a large company, there are so many people involved. There's no one person I can go, I told you so. So it's very un unsatisfying, sadly. Um, but uh, to be honest, I, I'm not at a stage yet. I don't think anyone is at a stage where they could definitively say, I told you so. We're still, despite the fact that, uh, what, are, what are we now? Uh, Palmer Lucky put the Oculus Rift DK1 on Kickstarter in 2012. And here we are 10 years later. And don't get me wrong, virtual reality has made incredible progress. Unbelievable. And there is, I mean, in my opinion, there is, there is no chance of it, it dying now. It's, no, it's definitely not a fad. I think those arguments are, are long gone. And uh, any, any article that comes out in the news now, back in the day, there used to be many of them. I think they're less and less so now, uh, predicting the, the death of, of virtual reality, um, thankfully. And I think it's pretty clear because it's on an upward trend. And, and so is the metaverse. The, uh, and the reason for that is it's been such a long-standing technology and it has proven itself in the business world as well as the consumer world. It's, it's certainly here to stay, although we need it to enter the, the last phase of growth. If anyone's uh, seen Gartner's um, hype cycle, you, it's, it's, a, it's a nice way of explaining how technologies um, progress along a, a certain predicted path. You know, first they start out as innovations and nobody's really interested in it. Eventually the press gets hold of it. And everyone gets really excited. So it gets into this, this period or this uh, phase, the peak of inflated expectations. And everybody's proclaiming this to be the savior of humanity. This technology is going to change everything. It's going to feed us. It's going to bathe us. It's going to do our work for us. It's going to do everything. And inevitably with that level of hype, of course, the technology at such an early stage can never meet um, that level of hype so it falls into this next phase the trough of disillusionment before eventually recovering on the slope of enlightenment so i feel like with with vr we're on the the part the slope of enlightenment path where things are things are getting better the light the light is coming through the clouds now so to speak <laughs> I love this is you're in there in the beginning of hiking that mountain, right? The second mountain. Yeah. And um people are arguing is the metaverse really real? All those things, the VR. And thank you for I love that term, uh slope of enlightenment. Then there's actually one more phase as well. The final phase is the plateau of productivity, another alliterative term. But that basically defines where, right, it's become business as usual now. And things are just going to carry on like that. Um, and then it's no longer an emerging technology, really. It's just an everyday tool that we use. Mm -hmm. So we will get there eventually. It will just take some time. I think uh, the public has been expecting overnight successes with uh, virtual reality and the metaverse. Um, and simply, you know, with such, with, with technologies that change the way that we work and live in such a, tremendous fundamental way there's no way that they can be overnight um you know they can lead to overnight changes so i think we need to learn to be a little bit more patient as these technologies progress and a little bit more hopeful as well hope and less uh, less death to x type media posts would be helpful yeah dan yeah it sounds like you're describing 
NFTs in 2021. <laughs> like, like, exactly. Exactly. The fastest yeah. phase of what you just described. Yeah. That was incredible. The funny um, thing is, though, with NFTs specifically, you know, talking about them, yes, they've gone through a downturn, but just because something goes through a downturn doesn't mean the entire sort of concept and ecosystem is is useless now and is, is on as and is on its path to death. Not at all. You know, NFTs clearly have value and you can, if you peel back the layer of NFTs and just think about what they stand for, you know, they're effectively digital, they're digital assets in one sense. And the next layer is that they are, uh, they're, they're held on a, um, on a public um, ledger, you know, using, using crypto. So the, and, and digital assets in general, we've seen have had a long life um, and they are showing no signs of halting anytime soon. You look at digital assets in in games like uh, like Fortnite, and there's just incredible amounts of money. I mean, Fortnite generates five billion dollars of revenue from uh, from digital assets. And, and granted, they're not NFTs, but the concept that you ascribe so much value to an intangible object that doesn't actually have any functional value in the in the software that you're using uh, just shows that. There is a future for, for digital assets, especially when they sit on the blockchain that give us extra value in terms of um, leading us to a more trustless environment, or in other words, an environment where we don't have to uh, rely on a single individual or entity to, to manage and own our assets or to, uh, for us to be able to continue to use them. So I can only see extra value there from the, additional, the addition of of crypto into digital assets, which which are effectively NFTs. Mm-hmm. Jeremy, what do you, I love how you mentioned that trustless system. How is that going to play out in a global scale? So, I it's not going to take over everything, in my opinion. There will always be a place for traditional centralized systems, but I think we should allow space. For, um, for, for decentralized systems um, that are built on, on crypto uh, because they have some really tremendous use cases. And, and just in a very basic sort of fundamental good for society way, um, you now have the right motivations f- to provide access to, uh, to financial, financial institutions for at disenfranchised populations all over the world. So the issue with financial services at the moment, or one of one of the issues, is that they the incent they are not incentivized to to helping those who are perhaps from uh, uh, you know poorer demographics, and that's not a great thing because that means not everyone can access financial um, uh, financial services in the same way. Uh, but if you can create a system that uh, perhaps is is built on blockchain technology that allows for that uh, those motivations and and allows people to access um, uh, finance in a in a new form then that can only be a good thing for the world mm-hmm. absolutely now jeremy what are your thoughts on interoperability see i'm struggling with that word and we were just discussing it. i know i know it's, yeah. uh, when is this going to happen do you think that everything will blend in one it's like creating a smoothie putting ice and protein shake and everything blend together when is this going to happen now how many years i think there is a 
there is an ultimate vision in the community, and I can I can see people are very uh, vehement about it. You know, in wanting everything to merge, as you're saying. Um, I don't think that everything should merge, in all honesty, and I don't think it makes sense for everything to merge. Um, something certainly. So, like identity, for example, I think that absolutely should merge across everything. So, in in a web 1.0 world, we had you know username and password for every single website, and so you had you know 300, 400 passwords, whatever it is. And uh, in the web 2.0 world that we're in now you can use a form of centralized identity via someone like a like a meta or a, or a google um, or an apple and then they can be your sort of gatekeeper to uh, uh, to allow you access or, or proof of your id to these different platforms mm -hmm. now in the web 3.0 world you take that concept but instead of it being apple or google that acts as your ID holder that then proves your credentials to uh, to web platforms, websites, and, and different other uh, stakeholders. You've now got effectively your wallet, you know, your wallet that you own uh, 100%, um, and that's being used to show proof of identity across all these different platforms. So 100% from a user experience perspective, in terms of interoperability of identity, that makes a lot of sense to me. However, thinking about something like, let's say, the assets that you that you wear or collect in a metaverse environment, um, let's take, for example, let's suppose you're in a metaverse environment that is um, sort of cowboy western style. So you got your 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 boots with the spurs on them, right? And uh, then you want to go into another metaverse environment that is. Um, where the aesthetic is sort of, you know, steampunk, let's say. Uh, it's not going to really make sense for you to bring your, your spurred cowboy boots into that, uh, that steampunk environment. And, you know, why should you? There, um, there may be an option to trade for the nearest equivalent, but even that is a bit of a janky solution. I think it's a bit unnecessary. Your assets in that environment make sense in that environment. Your assets in the steampunk world make sense in that world. So let those two worlds, in terms of what you own in each of those worlds, live apart. I don't think there's, a, there's necessarily an, an, an issue in not having interoperability in that case. But so to answer your very, the, the crux of your question, though, if I believe in the interoperability of identities and being able to transfer those easily across different environments and how many years that would take, I think we, although the technology is, is clearly already there to, to allow this to happen, it's really about the uptake um, and the adoption of this technology that matters uh, mm -hmm. in terms of making it real and, and pushing it out there. And we still have some way to go in terms of the, the basic user experience of metaverse environments so that more and more people can come on board in, a, um, in an easy to, easy to understand, easy to use way. So until that happens, I think we're, um, we're not really going to move on to the next stage around interoperability or in some senses, maybe the interoperability of IDs between the metaverse environments might help. Uh, with that, but I feel like that's a secondary consideration right now. And the first primary consideration is getting as many people into these different metaverse environments as possible. And to achieve that, they're going to have to be more intuitive. They're going to have to be easier to use. And uh, so we're going to have to do a lot of 
a lot of UX research over the next few years and, and start implementing best practices. Wow. Jeremy, I love how you, the analogy of a cowboy hat and you can't go in a hip hop, you know, clubs. That's why there's different clubs, right? Because the talk of the town is for digital, a creator's economy where you build your following in Instagram and it doesn't communicate to LinkedIn. And then we created a big community in Clubhouse with 112,000 members. And so that totally makes sense. You can't expect it to blend in one world. Yeah. How many how many places are you streaming to on StreamYard? Dan? Uh, I think six right now. Oh, there you go. See, we need something like that. So you can, uh, you, you're effectively, it's a little bit analogous. It's not quite analogous, but it's a little bit analogous to in, the concept of interoperability and in that we want to spread the word around this discussion to as many platforms as possible. Mm-hmm. Dan? Yeah, so recently we had Kathy Hackle on, and she was talking about how as we get further into space, people can create, you know, have virtual friends, essentially, or relationships with people to basically keep them sane, you know, if, we gonna, if we're going to go to Mars. And I was thinking about real-world examples of AR and VR. I know AR is, is starting to be used a lot for different things. What are you most excited about when it comes to real-world implementation beyond just games for AR or VR? So um, I deal a lot with, with businesses across different industries. And the type of conversations we're having right now, which I think are very much within the realm of possibility, one of them is day-to-day working in a more collaborative, connected way using the metaverse as opposed to having to call or video conference someone every time you have a query. So think about this in terms of how it relates to working in an office, you're co-located, let's say you're all in the same room. In order for me to ask one of my colleagues a question and get them to answer something, all I have to do is just turn to them and say, and, and ask my question. Now, When we're working remotely, that obviously offers us tremendous advantages in many different ways, but it has disadvantages as well. And one of them is that we are not as connected and we are not, we have to be very careful with the terminology here. A lot of people are more efficient at home, but in terms of the efficiency of communication with individuals who are not sitting right next to you, I think it's pretty fair to say that it is a more inefficient form of communication remotely working than than if you were sitting next to someone. Now, the metaverse environment um, can sort of give you the best of both worlds, where you can still be working remotely physically, but you can feel like you're co-located and you can gain the efficiencies of being co-located because analogous to you just turning your head to ask someone a question, you could just um, you know turn your mic on in your metaverse environment and, and, and say to the person next, ask them the question. Um, you would just be next to them in the virtual world rather than the the physical world. So I'm very excited about those type of use cases where we start to see more day to day collaborative working and not you know not the Excel spreadsheets, PowerPoint slides type stuff, but just the the nitty gritty of communicating as human beings in the workplace. I think that's tremendously valuable across different industries and very exciting and fundamental at the same time. That is actually very exciting because a lot of leaders or um, they were like, 
that's stupid. Why do you think I would be in my Oculus working every day? But that totally makes sense as we're majority of our employee doesn't want to work in an office. You want to have that, hey, I want an answer instantly, right? So you're there. And, and I should also tackle one other misconception about the metaverse as well. Um, a lot of people think or they conflate the metaverse concept with the virtual reality concept. And it's important to remember that although virtual reality is a component of the metaverse and often gets talked about in the same sentence as the metaverse, you can access metaverse environments without having to wear these, head, these virtual reality headsets you know, by accessing them on your, on your computer screen. However, saying that, my favorite way of, of accessing uh, virtual worlds is via virtual reality headsets, and you gain a lot of benefit by accessing them through VR because that is the most immersive way that you can experience these virtual worlds. And in terms of where the future is going around the metaverse, I, I personally think that most people will be accessing these metaverse world, these virtual worlds at some point through virtual reality versus the desktop. And um, the reason for that is just is I see it as becoming the gold standard effectively. It's like, yes, those who, those who can't or don't want to or um, it's inaccessible to may not use virtual reality headsets. Um, but uh, that's kind of, it would be a step down in terms of immer immersion. So you're always making a trade-off, in other words. If you go for the desktop-based solutions, you're getting greater scale. So in other words, you're, you're able to reach a greater number of people, but at the cost of reduced immersion. Now, equivalently, if you go for your virtual reality headset and you access these virtual worlds, then you are getting greater immersion but at the cost of scale, because not everyone has the hardware, so you can't reach as many people. It's all a trade-off at the end of the day. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard-to-recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Wow. Jeremy, okay, so we went to Web 1.0, 2.0, Web 3.0. What is the next to Web 3.0? <laughs> well, some people are talking about Web 5.0, and I'm not, not going to laugh. <laughs> we're talking about it in Amsterdam, we're laughing. I, uh, I'm, I, I'm, not even, I'm not even engaging with that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, look, let me, let me talk to people about Web3 first. If we get them, if we get even just 50% of them over the Web3 hump, then we can talk to them about Web5 and, and 6G and, and all the rest of it. But no, I'm keeping those on the back burner for now. So. I was actually in a panel at LA and we're talking about Web3 and the guy the speaking next to me said, oh, we're already at Web4. It's like, how is that even possible? The experts are building this and we're not even in there yet. I think I should just trademark Web 6, you know. And yeah, just, I know. Just when it comes. I did buy some URLs for Web 4. I'm not going <laughs> to. You're smarter than me, Dad. So I am wondering, though, um, what are you hearing besides uh, the work, which is incredible, like the, you know, the day-to-day -day work? Yeah. Um, what are you hearing from, from businesses and companies that are more hesitant. Obviously, they want to know, but yeah. what is what are their hesitancies to move into 
uh, you know, the future of the internet, I guess. So their hesitancies are, one, they are concerned about the, I mean, they just look at it from an aesthetic perspective and they see the graphics of some of these metaverse platforms and they think, well, this is, this is just some sort of cartoony entertainment game type thing that has no real um, applications in my business. So I think there's some, there's some perceptions that need to be broken um, or managed, let's say, uh, when it comes to uh, to first impressions of these environments. Uh, the second thing I would say is there is a lot of hesitancy about engaging with the Web3 aspect of, of, of the metaverse. Now, a lot of uh, purists out there would argue that the metaverse as, as the, the definition of the metaverse only exists when the Web3 component is attached to it. So in other words, when you have crypto as a as an economic layer of your virtual world in which you can you can use to to buy and sell and transact items that's that's when you get the true metaverse but i'm i'm not such a puritan my my definition of the metaverse is very broad it's ultimately around virtual worlds that uh, uh in which you can meet other people and interact and explore those environments the web3 component of course is a more comprehensive vision but an optional one from my perspective Nevertheless, when it comes to talking about Web3 and crypto with organizations, there is a lot of concern and hesitation about how they would treat such uh, digital assets on their balance sheet, how they would manage it from a tax perspective, uh, legally, you know, how, how do they manage the, uh, uh, the contracts and the risk around purchasing such assets and the safeguards behind it, given that there's no central entity to contract with necessarily, you know, you're, uh, you're working, uh, uh, you're working in a decentralized manner. Um, so yeah, there's a lot for businesses to get their heads around. And I think there is, it's easier to pro just to put your head in the sand and, uh, and hope it all goes away than to dedicate some resource some time and money to actually engaging uh, with these worlds. But uh, inevitably, they will have to come around at some point. I, similar to how we're talking about virtual reality in the metaverse not going anywhere, I think the same can be said from for Web3 and, and crypto as well. It is very much here to stay. It has proven value, not in every case, uh, but it has proven enough value to earn its stay in, uh, in the modern world. Hmm. Jeremy, um, let's talk about VR training simulator software. And I was having a conversation with a friend of mine in the Philippines, and she owns the, you know, connecting people together in the island. She owns a fast craft that connects 7,107 islands. And she told me, hey, tell me about the metaverse and explaining it to her. But then she said she's been utilizing simulator to train her staff. I was like, you're actually way ahead of me. <laughs> so <laughs> a lot of people don't understand that they're using this technology in their businesses but have no clue to connect the dots. So what are so, tell us more about that. Yeah, so, so it can get complicated because you've got a lot of different terms and they're all interconnected and some are not necessarily, you know, uh, mandatory components of the metaverse, but they're very important components of the metaverse. Um, the reason why my team is called the Metaverse Technologies Team as opposed to the Metaverse Team, which would be, you know, simpler to say, is because... The way I see it, we're not only dealing with the metaverse, as in the very strict virtual world term or use case, 
but we're also building virtual reality products. We're building augmented reality solutions. You know, we're using it for uh, diversity and inclusion pur training purposes. We're using it for um, hard skills, you know, server technician purposes. And it's, it's not necessarily that in these worlds you meet other people, um, but virtual reality is a component of the metaverse, hence a metaverse technology, similar to augmented reality, similar to blockchain technology. And, um, and therefore, I think that's, that's how you distinguish between all of them. VR, AR, blockchain, and to some extent AI are very much components but non-mandatory components of, of the metaverse. And in terms of your simulator example, um, that sounds like it could be a, a virtual reality product. So a, a metaverse technology, if not a strict metaverse environment itself, if that makes sense. Yeah. I love how you're pointing that out because it's fascinating. I'm curating a program, Blockchain Week in the Philippines. And a thought leader in the AI space, I told him, like, why don't you speak about AI? It's like, is this only going to be a Web3? It's like, you would think you would connect the two, that together, that those two can intertwine and work together, right? It's fascinating, like, AI think will be outcast in the metaverse, but it's all in one planet. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, con the convergence of emerging technologies is where things really get exciting. We have a tendency to look at things in silos. We look mm -hmm. at virtual reality. What can it do? Augmented reality. What can it do? IoT. What can it do? AI and so on. But when you start to think about how AI and IoT and augmented reality can all come together, that's when you get a a really valuable um, use case. So I think we should we should always bear that in mind and try to avoid looking at emerging technologies in silos. Yeah. And so, Jeremy, what's your definition of the metaverse? I know you said, say it in, again to people. Very simple terms. So um, the metaverse is a collection of virtual worlds populated by real people where those people can interact with one another and explore their, in, their environment. And as an optional component within these virtual worlds, you can potentially transact in a decentralized way using, uh, using cryptocurrencies. So that last bit there, I'll have to work on to make it a bit more layperson. But I feel like the first two parts are, are pretty decent. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. So your role in PwC, do you, um, okay, by the way, I was in Sweden last month yeah. and I saw a big of your logo. It's like, huh, automatically I think of you. There you go. That's Jeremy Dalton. And I saw one in Irvine too. It's like, okay, that's, hey, I think of you. The metaverse technologist head. Okay, I'm going to be careful with that. It's not the metaverse. It's the metaverse technologies. And Technology. now you got it. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, I think that's really important. I think that'll help a lot of people because there's, of course, a lot of naysayers, there's, like you mentioned about that curve going up and down. A lot of people that don't understand it. And there's so many different technologies converging as one. It, it actually makes it a lot easier versus, you know, saying 50 different pieces of technology in one sentence. That'd be, you know, quite difficult. So it's amazing that you uh, you really simplified it. But um yeah, I mean, what, so I guess, I think we're coming to the end here. Um, so I know we just hit our 30 minutes. Uh, I guess people that are still thinking about it, wanting to know, 
Is there a piece of education or a place that you suggest them to go where they can really learn, learn more information if they're an entrepreneur or a business? Um, yeah, I would say um, there, is a, there is a piece of thought leadership that we've put out there uh, called Demystifying the Metaverse. And if you put that into Google with PwC, you should come across it and it's, it's free to access. Um, and that will give you a sort of business leader, layperson um, explanation of the metaverse and the important concepts behind it to be aware of um, in, in a business context. And Jeremy, last one. What are some of the most significant improvements you've seen in Web3 since you became the head of PwC? The, the head of Metaverse Technologies. <laughs> not, not quite the head of PwC. <laughs> I appreciate the question. Uh, um, so important evolutions in Web3. I would say, um, as I mentioned before, from a user experience perspective, with the improvement in... Uh, to be honest, this is kind of going against the, uh, the, the crypto ethos, but I think it is really important for, um, for adoption. The user experience that has been enabled by centralized platforms that has brought more people into the Web3 ecosystem has been an incredibly important evolution um, in Web3's life cycle. And I know a lot of crypto purists will be very unhappy about that, but at the end of the day, in order for the ecosystem to thrive, there needs to be more people um, on board. And to get more people on board, everything really has to be simplified to a massive extent. And to do that, uh, we haven't quite got there yet in a decentralized manner. Maybe we will someday. But until then, we need to rely on some centralized companies uh, to bring more people on board and make that experience easier. Absolutely. There's some kind of a resistance where... You're speaking merging the Web 2 and Web 3. Yeah. Well, we, like loyalists, don't want the Web 3 to be on board. Exactly. But in order for us to build a better metaverse, those two need to work together. The succession, like a new president, you need to have a good succession. <laughs> That's a great thing. I like that. I like yes. that. You cannot just build a new, you know, rules and governance without learning from the Web 2.0. Absolutely, yeah. You got to bring uh, you got to bring the people on board, and maybe they're used to the old system, so they need to be transitioned slowly. I love that. There you go, succession. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much for your time, and Dan. Thank yeah, you. thank you, Jeremy. Anywhere else that you want people to check out besides uh, the PwC simplifying metaverse? Uh, yeah, you might as well if you have the time and you're interested. I've got a load of projects that I've been involved in personally, and on my website. So if you go to www.jeremydaltonxr.com, you'll find um, quite a few uh, case studies there that you can check out. Awesome. Thank you, Jeremy. Really been a pleasure having you again. Appreciate your time as well. So jeremydaltonxr.com, and we'll see you all next time. Thank you for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe. And visit metatalks.com. That's talks with a Z. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. 
Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.